Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Radio Motherboard. I am Jason Kebler and who are you guys? I'm Clinton Wing. I'm the editorial fellow at Motherboard. Uh, I'm Nicholas DeLeon. I'm the editor of the Short Circuit section at Motherboard. I am Emmanuel Myberg. I am the weekend editor as of now. Yeah, congrats, Emmanuel. Congrats, Emmanuel. Very exciting. Uh, and you guys have all been playing Fallout 4, which is the brand new Bethesda Softworks game, much anticipated, gigantic, huge triple a game i guess um well before we get into your guys's thoughts on fallout uh let's talk to ian bogost who is a professor at georgia tech university and he is the new author of a book called how to talk about video games so we'll learn how to talk about video games and then we'll talk about them that sounds fun right yes it does okay good So I am here with Ian Bogost. Ian is a professor at Georgia Tech uh, University and an author. Um, he just wrote the book, How to Talk About Video Games, and we are going to talk to him about the book and about Fallout 4. Ian, you write in the book that being a game critic is kind of saying, what is even going on here? So what is even going on in Fallout 4? <laughs> right. I think there's a lot going on in in Fallout 4, and it's hard even know, to know where to start. Um, maybe the most interesting thing as I've been watching the kind of reactions uh, to the game is that we clearly want many things out of it, and some of them conflict with one another. You know, so Fallout 4 is supposed to be uh, just like all the other Fallouts, but also different. Fallout 4 is supposed to work really well and look really great, but also remind us of you know previous glitchy Bethesda games. Um, Fallout 4 is supposed to be this sort of weird, you know, uncomfortable survival game where you feel uncomfortable and, and, and uh, you can't accomplish the things that you want to. But then it's also supposed to be an entertainment experience that we spend a, a lot of time with. Um, you know, it's, it, it's all sorts of things all at once. And because we don't um, kind of allow games to be all those things all at once normally. We need them to be boiled down to something like a, a review score or, or a summary. You know, should I buy this game or not? Is this worth my time or not? Um, we miss out on all that all that weirdness. Um, and I think weirdness is, is kind of what games offer us that, that other media don't. Um, other media forms are really, really coherent. Television, especially contemporary dramatic television, 
is extremely coherent and cinema is extremely coherent. Uh, and, you know, art uh, of various kinds, uh, uh, fine arts are not uh, coherent and uh, uh, like, you know, food and um, uh, uh, outdoor experiences and uh, architecture and these sorts of things can be both coherent and, and incoherent. And we, we, we like towing that line actually between kind of knowing what something is and, and not having any, any idea. Um, so I think to me, you know, for, for the, the joy I see in, in, in Fallout among, among players who are playing it really seriously is actually a part of the misery they also are experiencing. And like this ability to, to make these, these weird looking characters and, and, and talk about them. But then at the same time, uh, this, this, this strange deep crafting system that, um, that might be broken, like the economy might be broken, but aren't economies also broken? You know, like the, 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 it's kind of like a, 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 an allegory for, for, for contemporary life. Uh, and, and I don't think it's easy to see it that way until you kind of allow all of these, these strange pieces to bubble to the surface and to, and to be just as important as the, the, the highly polished open world AAA game that we, that we think Fallout 4 is when we look at it on the surface. Right. So we've seen kind of this like feeding frenzy of like content, um, which is partially maybe not necessarily a problem with journalism necessarily, but um, you don't necessarily see this surrounding other games. You maybe see it like with Uncharted or Grand Theft Auto. But, uh, you know, the second this game was announced, people are, you know, going crazy for it. You had Fallout Shelter. And then the second this game was released, you have people, you know, finding glitches and doing mods and just attacking it from all these different corners and when a blockbuster movie comes out like the same thing doesn't necessarily happen like people are experiencing this in like a totally different ways yeah um, yeah yes and, i mean you're right you're, you're absolutely right but also it does happen uh increasingly it's just not the same kind of experience because a, a film you sit there it happens at you and then you leave the theater uh, and it's not like this very complicated machine that has all these moving parts, and of course some of them are going to be a bit rusty, which is what every game is, but especially a complicated game like Fallout 4. But, but you know, you do see people taking TV shows or movies and kind of, you know, like finding inconsistencies or, or continuity errors. That stuff has been around uh, forever, this, this sort of deep reading of, of the, uh, the quirks or the foibles in media. Right, and we've always loved doing that, especially that sort of signals seriousness. Like, you know, you were very committed to something, when you've looked at it closely enough to, to find the places where it, where it breaks down. But I think the difference with Fallout is that it's a game about, about breakdown, about, about apocalyptic breakdown, about cultural breakdown, about social breakdown. And so it feels even more appropriate to, to do that work of like looking for the places where the game breaks. Mm-hmm. And I even kind of wish that it did more of that more deliberately. You know, the, the, that kind of Bethesda aesthetic, which some people might, might refer to it, you know, these sort of quirky, somewhat broken... Um, not very broken, but, but quirky, broken experiences in, in some of the games. Um, I, I wish that were more deliberate, almost that it that it were uh, embraced as, as an aesthetic of the of the studio and of this series, such that uh, you, you, you can be a little bit precious in that 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 Metal Gear Solid way, where it's constantly breaking the fourth wall. And you're like, all right, I, I get it already. Uh, but with with Fall, it feels like we need more of that. We need the game literally pushing back on the player even more and more deliberately, saying, actually. I just want to remind you that this is an experience about about breakdown, uh, and I think that's the invitation that that the players are are accepting to kind of find all those all those strange quirks. Not not to mention the depth of these these big Bethesda games that, that there's just so much to find 
that no one else will, and you can kind of be the first to discover it. Right, right. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that this is a big kind of like AAA game experience, and that it's very obvious with a game like Fallout, you know, it's just so much time went into it. The game is extremely long. But when we talk about AAA games, what are we even talking about? Like, what makes a game AAA in your mind? It's a great question. I think it's a great question today. It's an important question to ask now. So a cynical answer might be a AAA game is a game that, that nobody except people who play games know anything about. Like if you compare like Fallout to, I don't know, Candy Crush, you sort of see what I mean. I mean, why don't we call Candy Crush a AAA game? It's played by billions of people. It makes a ton of money. Everyone you see everywhere is playing Candy Crush. Um, and yet we're like, yeah, that's just a, you know, a casual mobile game, a free-to-play game, whatever. Um, so you know, we, we refer to AAA you know, as this kind of big tent pole. Somebody spent a lot of money making a giant game, a blockbuster game. It was originally meant to signal a game on the same register as a big blockbuster Hollywood motion picture. And, you know, uh, Spectre comes out and they spend $300 million making Spectre so they can make $2 billion dollars. Um, worldwide on on receipts from from Spectre and 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 that's what AAA wants to mean you know is is like this is a a giant global entertainment production but but then you know you you think about it and that's not what those games do they don't reach those numbers of people um, they sell a lot of dollars worth of game precisely because those games cost a lot of money you spend sixty or seventy bucks and it doesn't take much time to be the you know top grossing weekend entertainment hit or whatever first week entertainment hit compared to uh, to the cinema um, but so I think we really have to inc- increasingly we have to uh, consider the idea that what AAA means is not actually that this is a, a big blockbuster tentpole uh, entertainment experience um, which also means a mass market entertainment experience but rather this is a this is a, a niche experience, which isn't a, a judgment. It's not a negative judgment. Um, it's, it's, it specifies that you know, there, there, are, there are some people who are committed to playing many tens or hundreds of hours in a, in a, in a giant game that they spend 70 bucks on and sit in front of their television uh, to, to play. And that is a different experience than spending an equal amount of time playing Candy Crush over many, many years or an equal amount of time playing you know, Tetris over many decades. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's the way I would I would kind of talk about AAA these days. It's it's no longer where the where the action is from a a, a market share perspective. It's rather uh, a, a kind of a kind of niche or a, a specific a specific corner of the gaming universe. Right. I'm I'm very glad that was your answer to this because uh, I'll admit now I have not played Fallout Four and I probably will never play it just frankly because I won't have time. I mean, yeah, it's, not, it's not because I'm not fun. interested. I mean, I would right. love to play it, but uh, I'm currently playing through The Last of Us, which apparently uh, people, like, obviously it's a great game and people really liked it, but they got angry that it was kind of short. No, which and, is ridiculous, because yeah. it's, it's already like, you know, 10, 10 plus hours at the very least. Yeah, I've, uh, I've played maybe 15 hours, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, that might may mean I'm not that good at the game, but, you know, it's it's probably in the same vein as Fallout, I'm imagining you kind of spend a lot of that time running around in corners and like pushing triangle over and over again, hoping that this drawer will open and you'll find a note or something. And that's, the game is like enthralling and very interesting, but uh, frankly, it's too deep uh, for me. And the gameplay is wonderful, but I, I just feel like I can't get into it with my current life. 
maybe. Right, right. And, and you know, all of us have something like that that we can really get deeply into. Uh, and, and it doesn't need to be a game or even an entertainment experience. It might be, you know, knitting or, or working on your car or, or whatever it is that you do, you know, as a, as a kind of long-term commitment. And one of the interesting things that's happening in, in, in video games today is that we're seeing more and more games last for much longer periods of time. I, I mean, you know, you think about Counter-Strike or you think about um, uh, League of Legends uh, or, or StarCraft, you know, these, these games that have been around, you know, maybe they've changed in form, um, but people have been playing them for, for years and years and years. And, and that's what a commitment to, uh, to a game as a, not just a hobby or an avocation, like a serious pursuit, uh, used to look like that's what it means to play chess seriously or to play backgammon seriously. These kind of you know very ancient folk games to play Go seriously, uh, because there's so much there and you can return to them again and again and again. Um, and that is a different experience. That kind of longevity of depth. You know the secrets of a game being released slowly over time. That's a different experience than the binge playing of of a new uh, a new open world game like Grand Theft Auto or, or Fallout, where you kind of sit down and you get through it. In a week or two, and, and then another game is, is on the market for you to for you to buy, especially at at this time of year. Uh, and I wonder if it, if there's not a, an opportunity there, you know, for for these these kind of games to to release a little bit more slowly, because we're um, we're clearly uh, very capable and willing to spend a lot of time with entertainment. Uh, people spend a lot of time watching watching television, and sometimes they even binge watch it, you know, on Netflix or what have you. Um, but the average person uh, just just is, is not able to commit to a block of uh, 100 hours of, of all of their leisure time all at once. And that's one of the things that makes games, you know, the stereotype of games are for teenage boys. It, it's one of the things that makes it more true than false. That, well, when do you have a lot of time free? You know, well, when you're the right age to. Right, right. I, I, wouldn't, I don't really feel like diving deep into, say, Gamergate or any of that, but it seems like that's kind of where a lot of this animosity is sort of coming from in terms of uh, who is a serious gamer, and there were all these like death of the gamer articles and stuff, and um, that's because everyone is playing video games in some sense of the term, but you know, you don't have the casual people playing Fallout 4, and if they are playing it, they're you know maybe playing through the main quest, and they're not like trying to get 100% completion and, and that sort of thing. Sure, and, and you know there are there are serious, or I mean, maybe serious isn't the right word. Deeper and more shallow ways of experiencing media of, of, of all kinds. So that's you know that's a that's a virtue. Uh, whether or not a specific game kind of pursues those 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 approaches is is another question. And and I don't even know how you would do so with with a, a, a big title like uh, uh, like like Fallout. But I, I do think there's a reason why so many of these games are about. You know, collapse or, or catastrophe or, or um, apocalypse. You know, it, 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 it's been the you know entertainment has been dealing with these these themes for a long time in science fiction and film and and you know we 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 appreciate the opportunity to fantasize about the end of the world, but but also we feel I think increasingly uh, a sense of of disconnect and hopelessness and and, and worry about. About the world, and that it's expressing itself through not just the games and their themes, but the way that we respond to them individually and, and, and collectively. And this anxiety about, like, well, you know, our game is going to continue doing the thing that they're doing, or you know, this is a place where I go as a gamer, as a quote unquote gamer, to be comfortable, to be at one with myself. You know, that that's real. It's real. It's it's not something that that, that people are 
uh, are inventing, and there, there's something we're thinking about there. You know, what what is what does that mean? And uh, not not just what does it mean for game design or something, but what does it mean for for life and and, and culture? And how we've gotten ourselves into it into a situation where um, where we you know we we want we were kind of desperate for for games to serve this therapeutic function. Right, right. I think it's pretty telling that we can i mean i could probably talk about this for another 30 minutes without even mentioning the gameplay of of the game of fallout 4 um and frankly i have no idea if the mechanics of the game the actual you know uh like action in it is any good i assume that it is but um it seems like increasingly we judge games based on how they grab us uh you know from a story standpoint um and then there's a whole different class of games, you know, your Flappy Bird and your kind of fast twitch games, and, and this probably isn't one of them, except for maybe some short periods of time. Right, right. And, and you know, I don't even know how you'd play Fallout. Like, even just booting up your console takes longer than it, than it, it, than it would, uh, than would support a, a lot of kinds of players, you know, and then they have to download an update just to play a few minutes of, of a game. Uh, and all of that apparatus is also is also a part of the part of the issue, part of the the the, the challenge. Um, but I, you know, I also think when people play Fallout Four, it's Fallout Four. We should remember, you know, they're also wanting, they're remembering playing Fallout Three. Um, they're remembering playing previous versions of the same game and of other games. They're they're they're, they're sort of nostalgic for an, an experience they had previously. This is the case with sequels in, in general, but I think it's even. It's even more accentuated with games because we have so many sequels and follow-ups that you know you're always kind of playing your previous expectations as well, and you want it. You both want them to be changed. You want to see something new, and then you also don't. You want to see exactly the same thing uh, that you saw before. Games are a little bit like like sitcoms or like you know police procedurals in, in that way. You know, there's so much repetition in games. Mm-hmm. Just do the same thing over and over and over again, and that's kind of what we love about games actually is, is that repetition literal repetition you know Flappy Bird is the same action over and over and over Candy Crush is basically the same action over and over with slight variation and you know a game like Fallout at the end of the day yeah, there's a lot of variation um, but they, there are these patterns and you go back and you do the same thing over and over and, and that obsession with, with repetition is something that's it's not unique exactly to games but it's special it's really accentuated uh, in, in, in games um, but it's sometimes hard to find uh, when when you have so much apparatus in your way. Right. It's a, it's really a different type of game than, um, say, your StarCraft or your Flappy Bird, obviously. But um, I don't see Fallout having a long life like chess in terms of once you complete the game, you're not going to keep playing over and over and over. There's not that competitive element that esports gives you or that like an RTS gives you or, or something like that. So... Um, in in that way, it is kind of like a movie versus or a TV show versus a like competitive style game. Yeah, yeah, it, it or like Minecraft or something where you know there's there's crafting and Fallout, but it's not the same as crafting in in Minecraft, which at least until recently you know spurned the idea that there was a, a story it had to tell you. Um, you know, people like um, returning to the same places under different. Circumstances and and a lot of these games that that have that longevity are are not so much about expertise about like that competitive esports style expertise or, or even getting better at chess competitively, 
but but seeing the same pattern over and over again. And anytime you have a narrative, it kind of gets in the way because a story has an arc. It starts and it ends. Uh, and uh, a system or a set of patterns or the cycle of the seasons or any, anything that recurs, it, 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 can, be, it can be used in, in, in narrative form, uh, but it's not a story. Uh, and this is my own, you know, aesthetic proclivity. I'm sort of completely against narrative almost everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think in games in particular, it does does hold them back uh, from being uh, the kind of weird, uh, unique machinery that, that they really are. Right, yeah, you just wrote that article for Atlantic about uh, the best games are ones with no characters, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how games um, have... They've they've kind of turned more and more toward this dream of of, of becoming a, a, a successor to the the storytelling media of the of the twentieth century. You know, the next literature, the next the next film. That was always present, um, but it's become even more accelerated, even in independent games. And you know, some of the, the the breakout indie titles that we've seen in recent years are much more narratively focused. You know, think about like Gone Home or something like that. That you know, really interesting game, very, very strongly narrative focused. You play it for a couple hours, you're done. It's like reading a short story or something. Um, and that's so different from the games that, that I remember playing uh, on, on, the, on the PC or the Mac in the, in the 80s and, and early 90s, which were these kind of, you know, like SimCity and Civilization, these sort of very strange uh, games with a lot of moving parts. And it wasn't exactly clear what was happening at any moment. And there wasn't a narrative there to walk you through it. Um, you know, I would love, I would, I would rather play a version of Fallout that was more like Minecraft um, than it was, you know, like, um, uh, 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 you know, some some Hollywood uh, apocalypse movie, like twenty twelve or something like that. Um, and I don't know if I'm unique in that in that desire, but one of the reasons that I have that desire is because, to me, games are one of the things that they can do is move us away from this obsession with with our individual selves and and, and our dreams and our uh, and our and our and our worries. Uh, we have other media that do that very well. Uh, I think literature and film do that much better than games. Let let them do that job, and and games can be this this strange, weird, you know, stew where everything mixes together and it it tastes kind of strange, but also kind of good. Right, right. Okay, so have you played Fallout Four yet? You know, I've I've only dabbled. I, I've I've messed with it, but I I like you. I don't even know what it would mean to say that I played it. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that's happened with like reviews, um, and I think people are doing better with it lately. I like Kotaku's new system of this person will play the game for a very long time, and the review will come out like three, four weeks after the game comes out, versus this previous model of I ran through the game as fast as I could, and I wrote a review before the right. game came out so that I can kind of catch onto that hype train. I yeah, guess. right. I mean, it just can't be done. It's it's not like you can watch. Um, you can watch an episode of a, of, a, of a television show or a film, and, and then you can talk about it. It takes you a couple of hours, but with a game like this, it's, uh, it's, it's almost impossible. It's more like a, a whole series of a television show. Like That would be the commensurate amount of time. If you wanted to talk about Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, the whole thing, you're talking about a commensurate time investment. And what do those kinds of critics do? What do TV critics do? Well, sometimes they talk about individual episodes, and then sometimes they talk about the series you know, in, in, either either at an interim point after a season is over, after the whole thing is over, go back and review it. So this obsession with with nowness, you know, I got to get this review out because the game is just shipped. Um, it really comes out of that enthusiast press model of of you know, like should I buy the game? That's what the the, the review is supposed to the question the review is supposed to answer instead of what is this thing even? What is Fallout for? And what should I think about it? What questions should I ask myself 
when I when I indulge in it. Uh, and I think there's room for for critics to do more of that. You know, like what would it mean to sort of step through and that's not like a sort of player's diary or something. That sounds a little hokey, but but you know, you'll find one element in in in, in the game. Oh, here's the character creation system, or you know, here's the here, here's an aspect of the crafting system. This is worth talking about on its own. I feel like I know enough about it from having played for however much time I have that I can start discussing it, rather than attempting to wrap your hands around the whole thing all at once. You know, in fifteen hundred words. Right, right. Okay, so if our listeners want to find your work, where can they find it? Uh, you can find it at uh, bogost.com, B-O-G-O-S-T uh, dot com, uh, and my stuff on The Atlantic is on theatlantic.com. And How to Talk About Video Games comes out next week, right? Yeah, out uh, uh, next week, exactly. Awesome. Uh, yes, I've read about a third of it. It's very good. I suggest everyone check it out. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Awesome, thank you. Cool. Uh, yeah, so this What is this game about for those who are not familiar with Fallout? Uh, so it's a post-apocalyptic role-playing game uh, where it's this weird version of the future where we never invented microchips, but we got really into nuclear power and everything is powered by nuclear energy. And it's like a, it's like the future as it would look from um, the point of view of somebody in the 50s. And basically, you go into a, a, a bunker, there's a big nuclear war, and you come out 200 years later, and, and that's the world that, that you're walking around in. Right, it's kind of the quintessential like retro future game, like Tomorrowland at Epcot, and that sort of thing, correct? Yep, and um, it's so... It's so focused on the 50s that, um, weirdly enough, you still only have music from the 50s and even before that. Like, it's almost as if, you know, music just stopped at the 50s, which is kind of a weird kind of plot point that I guess they... It seems like a weird plot hole that they missed out on, but it's it's pretty cool. Is that by design, though, or is it a plot hole? Uh, I think it's a plot hole because literally there's no music that's made after the 50s. I just, that's interesting you say that because I just read this book called Ready Player One, which is a very popular kind of like pop sci-fi book. And the whole book is kind of just this guy like devoting himself to the 1980s. And it's so basically it's kind of like a future virtual reality type thing. They're actually making it into a movie. I think it was quite popular, but I just saw it at a bookstore and picked it up. But you kind of go into like virtual reality matrix type world and in this it's called oasis um there's like the star wars universe and the star trek universe and lord of the rings and everything has been recreated in digital form and the creator of this thing dies and he made a game to like take over this whole uh universe and the way you do it is by knowing a lot of trivia about the 1980s (laughs) and uh the book was like kind of good but it was really weird like such obsession with a decade but anyways i digress um so yeah so fallout is this like the game everyone has been talking about for the last year hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I feel like, um, has it lived up to your guys' expectations thus far? Uh, I would say yes, but I would say that I also had fairly low expectations going in. When the game was, I believe the game was officially announced uh, last June, and I pretty much avoided all uh, sort of media coverage so that I, I wouldn't spoil myself. I didn't want to, I have a tendency to get like overhyped about games and then you jump in and you're like, ah, this isn't as good as I, I, was, I was hoping it was going to be. So I totally avoided that. Uh, so from that uh, sort of uh, perspective, I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I didn't really uh, like Fallout 3 all that much. Uh, when it first came out, it was great. But in retrospect, I, 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 I sort of soured on it as the years went on. Uh, so I had sort of low expectations for Fallout 4, uh, and it has exceeded those low expectations. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely uh, a game I will I will continue to play at least on and off. You know, it, at at this point, these type of games, it's really just a matter of finding the time to sort of sit down and devote you know any amount of you know legitimate hours into these games, which was tough with this one. But uh, yeah, so far so good. Uh, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but it, it, it it's good, it's it's fun, but expectations I think is is like the key word. It's 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 doing all the things it's supposed to do, and I mean in addition to being a Fallout game, it's a Bethesda game, and Bethesda games do things in a certain way, right? And it does all those things um, exactly as you would expect, and it doesn't do anything new. Just as buggy. <laughs> yeah, it's buggy in all the ways that those games are buggy, and it's uh, it's big in all the ways that those games are big. But uh, you know, when you when you played Fallout Fallout for the first time, it was new and exciting. And when you played uh, the third game, which went into 3D and all that stuff, that was really exciting. And this is just it's it's more of that. So not not like mind blowing like those older games were. Well, so what are some of these things that make a Bethesda game? Like, if, if I have never played a Bethesda game, hypothetically, also, I have never played a Bethesda game. Um, I Just because of that, the games are so big. Like, you hear Skyrim came out, and, like, people are still finding new things in that, and that just, like, makes me anxious. Um, but, yeah, what, what are they known for? Like, why do people love these games so much? So, it's... Uh... It's the freedom to play the game like you want to play it and and role play. I think uh, role playing games and like RPG is a term that we use a lot, but it's it's really true in 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 Bethesda games because you create your own character. You can play it like if you are the type of player that wants to kill everything, then you can become a really strong character and kill everything. And if you want to be like this clever. A uh, bard type character that uh, talks his way out of everything, then you can do that, or you can you can just uh, find your own solutions to to problems. And also, the the world in which you do everything is really big and reacts to the character you create in in different ways. So it it feels uh, like a like a more alive place that you can explore and is never quite the same. I mean, not only does the game take 40 to 100 hours to finish, depending on how you want to play it, you could easily go back and play it again and have a completely different experience if you choose to play it in a different way. And um, what's also really distinct about this Bethesda games is that 
Um, your character mostly starts out of blanks as a blank slate. In fact, Fallout 4 is like the first Bethesda game that really gives you a, a distinct identity. Um, and what's more, that's uh, another thing that's really distinct about Bethesda game is, is that it almost feels as if nothing is really progressing um, in the world until you get there. Like, it's almost as if people will have problems and will continue to have problems until you get in there and, like, actually fix them. It's like you're the one person who's actually there to, like, improve things. They're waiting for you to, like, fix interact them with them. Yeah. Yeah. So is this an important game? Because I can see how, like, a Fallout 3 or a Skyrim may have been an important game. But if it's just kind of more of the same, albeit on a next-gen console, like, is this a huge step forward for the platform? Or is it just, like, more fun for people who like these games? Yeah, I don't know that it's as big a step forward as Fallout 3 was. I think when Fallout 3 came out in 2008, it was, like, such a revelation. Uh, like, it, it was, it just blew people's minds. I, I really do think that Fallout 4 is, it's the type of game where, like, if you if you like these games, you'll love it. But if you don't, there's nothing new here. There's there's nothing new to this formula to sort of attract a wider audience. It's 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 for the fans. It's it's the, the most polished version of this type of game yet. Uh, but I don't think it's really doing anything all that... Uh, new or interesting uh, to sort of distinguish itself uh, from others. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take more time to know that, right? Like, it's, it's we're going to have to see uh, what players find in it and um, what modders make for it, and if it if it does have the staying power of those other Bethesda games. But on the other hand, I feel like part of the story, which is part of the story with all the games that are coming out now, is that. They can only be as new or feel as new as the current uh, generation of consoles will allow, like the, the technology of the consoles. And, I mean, the fact is that they're just, like, not that much powerful, more powerful than the previous generation. So everything in the past couple of years just sort of feels like more of the same. Um, there isn't some paradigm shift in terms of technology or the way you interact with games or anything like that it's not like a virtual reality thing right where um it completely changes the way you think about games it's 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 a it's fallout 4 right it's right in the title it's it's more of that right this might be like a bit of a different conversation but uh, what do you think the role of AAA games going forward is i mean i we talked about it with ian bogost a bit in the interview but the reality is as these games get more and more complex as uh the hardware gets better it's going to take more and more people to make it and we're already you know charging people 60 bucks plus like downloadable content and premium versions and that sort of thing uh to do these and you know there's only so many AAA games that come out they take years and years to develop is there going to be a point in which it's not even worth it to make these games from like a strictly monetary standpoint like the hardware will be so hard to to code for that, you know, having teams of five thousand people working on it for five years is not going to have you know returns. Um, well, uh, Fallout Four actually broke a bunch of records uh, for most concurrent players on Steam, and that's on Steam alone. So if you factor that in with like anyone who has a console, they're easily making like at least a hundred million dollars, maybe. Um, so I, in that sense, I don't think AAA games are ever going to be so big that they won't be able to turn a profit. Um, but in terms of how they, well, change things, maybe they don't have to change things, but um, I think um, 
the future of games going forward is to address a changing audience, and that's what's sort of happening with um, that's what's happening slowly with um, Modern Warfare, um, um, Call of Duty, uh, well, the Call of Duty series. I know Emmanuel just wrote an article recently about how um, was it Black Ops Three that changed around a little bit by adding by, by letting players actually mod um, make their own maps. Uh, yeah, I mean. We don't know how, yeah, you can make your own uh, maps or at least modify the existing ones and stuff like that, yeah. And that's that's different from the previous versions of Call of Duty. They they haven't done that in a, in a very long time. It, it used to be, back when it was like a, a first-person shooter about World War II, there was some of that, but it's been gone for uh, many years. Yeah. Uh, if I if I just speaking of the AAA thing, it it does seem that they are they are they don't come out very often. They're all sort of stacked for the fall, and it's not like uh, it's not unheard of for games to sort of flop. I mean, look at Bioshock Infinite, uh, which came out a couple years ago, where it, it didn't do quite as well as I guess the publisher Take Two had hoped, and that entire studio was decimated. Uh, if you look at the in, in the Japanese gaming industry, I, I ha- from what I understand, the transition to HD consoles uh, was was something that wasn't. Uh, they didn't really uh, cling to in Japan. It, it just didn't take, and so uh, a lot of the big storage sort of publishers in Japan are really no longer making these big sort of triple A games. I mean, look at Konami; uh, they just published uh, they just published uh, Metal Gear Solid Five uh, a couple months ago, which got rave reviews and made you know a uh, ton of money. But it's just the amount of, of risk that it takes to sort of make these gigantic, you know, you know, hundred million dollar games for a lot of companies. It's just becoming uh, too much of a risk uh, to take, and so they're sort of uh, now there's more of a transition, at least in Japan, to just being, uh, you know, mobile focused. So I, I do think that it's, it's super interesting to see where this whole triple A gigantic expensive production thing is going to go in a few years. But uh, I know for you know a bunch of publishers are just saying, you know, this is this is not for us anymore. So I think there's more to uh, more to the story there in the next coming years. Right. Yeah. I think Clinton's point that this game made and will make a lot of money is a good one, but it will only make money if the game is good and. You know, you see it with movies pretty often, like John Carter or whatever. You know, you spend 150 million, and the movie is horrible, right. and no one goes and sees it. And uh, you know, you kind of saw that in gaming recently with like Arkham Asylum, where right. they shipped a game that was just so buggy that they had to like take it off the market. And you know, God knows what the end of that story is going to be, but uh, you can see maybe a future in which someone spends a lot of money making Fallout Five or Six or you know god forbid like i don't know metal gear solid 6 if it ever happens it's not gonna happen but um, yeah but uh you know you can see someone spending a lot of money to make that and then the game is just not good or you know it takes so long to come out that you know perception shift and it kills a studio and it kills you know maybe a publisher i guess we'll see yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's very interesting to see that Activision Blizzard uh, the other day bought uh, King Digital Entertainment, best known for uh, Candy Crush Saga, uh, $5.9 billion on basically a one-hit wonder. Uh, so, And Activision makes World of Warcraft, uh, Call of Duty, so they've got all the, the biggest AAA titles uh, out there, and they bought, uh, you know, effectively they bought Candy Crush. Uh, so I think that says something. I think uh, Activision is an interesting example because, I mean, that's one of the biggest game publishers in the business. And five years ago, ten years ago, you would go to E3, which is the biggest trade show for video games, and they would have like 10, 15 games to show. Um, and they were all what we would consider AAA games, which I think we should say is not the best term. It's a, no, it's a, it's it's a marketing term that 
game companies want us to use because it means this game is super high quality, but really it just means expensive and the game might be shitty. So, I mean, but, but, but it's good shorthand for what we're talking about. Anyway, Activision last year uh, at E3 had like three games. It was uh, Destiny, which was already out. They were showing downloadable co content for it. It was Call of Duty, which just came out. And it was Skylanders, which there are like 10 Skylanders, so I'm not sure which <laughs> one it was. Um, but but this is what you see. You see everybody's making AAA. All the big companies are still making AAA games, but the it's really safe bets, right? So, yeah, you can spend a bunch of money on Fallout, but it has to be Fallout, and it has to be something they know people will like or have liked before. Uh, you can make a big first-person shooter, but it has to be Call of Duty. Um, the qu the question is what what happens when one of these go go bust, right? When they make something they think is a is a safe bet, but then it blows up in their face, then that will be really interesting to to see how they react. I think you're seeing this with Ubisoft now. Is that who makes Assassin's Creed? Yeah. Yeah, so Assassin's Creed 1, like, amazing game, very good, like, AAA, took years and years to produce, and now they're kind of in the, like, Madden schedule of releasing one every single year, and, you know, they're still, like, okay games, but I don't think people are getting, like, super stoked for a new Assassin's Creed game anymore, at least not in the way that they were, and not in the way that people get, you know, excited about the new Uncharted, or Fallout, or Halo, um... And yeah, like I'm not going to get the new Assassin's Creed. Is there a new Assassin's Creed this year? There yeah, must be. Uh, uh, Syndicate. It takes place in London. Yeah, I forget the name offhand. But right, yeah. it's like you can be a pirate in one. You can be like it's just where are they going to put this same game? Like I, what Assassin's new? Assassin's Creed. It's so funny to me because like I, I've played a bunch of them and I real like I'm a history buff, so I like I want to like these games, but I often say to myself like it's just cheaper to read Wikipedia and just like read about the French Revolution than to sit there through Unity, uh, which was the Assassin's Creed game that took place in the French Revolution. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 that, that was one of the uh, probably the last big AAA franchise to be you know to you know a brand new one which debuted a couple of years ago 2008 or whatever it was something like that uh, but yeah I definitely sense Assassin's Creed fatigue online at least well Destiny is a new Destiny that's right Destiny, yeah. that's right yeah but you know they made Destiny and now they're making 9,000 downloadable be Destiny for like the next 10 years exactly and it's like when are we going to see something new it's kind of like what you see in movies where it's like everything is a sequel or a reboot or kind of uh, based on something else that's already popular. Also, I mean, is Destiny really new? It's, it's Halo. It's Halo, <laughs> right? It's not even... If you look at the time when they start putting it together, they were just taking the two biggest things that were happening in, in games at the time, which was Halo and World of Warcraft, and they were like, let's make Halo World of Warcraft, and, and, that, and that is basically what they made. So it's not really new conceptually or anything. It has a new name on it, but it's the same people making the same stuff right so yeah i don't really play these games I, I have destiny i spent maybe 10 hours playing it which is not nearly enough uh i'm playing the last of us now and i stopped playing it like two weeks ago even though i very much like it but i think maybe a lot of listeners and correct me if i'm wrong listeners you can yell at me uh kind of miss the days of like a six hour action game or like the the games I used to play on PS2 or N64 where you open them and you don't have to connect to the internet and download like 900 new updates just to get into it. And 
I'm not talking about like playing Candy Crush where you just like flick your finger around a phone for a little while. I want like challenging hard gameplay and potentially a story, but I don't want to have to like run around looking for a million things and I don't want to have to like uh you know listen to the radio in my car in Grand Theft Auto in order to get the story. I want to just like kind of have it be told to me but also feel like I'm playing something, I guess. Are there are there games like that anymore? Does anyone making those? Uh there are there are 6-hour games for sure, like a Call of Duty or something is is one of those. But I guess I I the the question is, would you pay $60 for something like The Last of Us if it only lasted two to three hours? It was really tight. It was really good. It was the same quality. It was the same gameplay, but it was really considerate of your time. Would you pay $60 for that? Uh, I would, just speaking personally, yes, because I don't I don't really have 60 hours to, to pour into a game. It's like when you go to a movie, it's the same price. You know, here in New York, it's like $15 or whatever it is. You know, the price doesn't fluctuate depending on the length of the film. Uh, I mean, I, I absolutely understand people's concerns online where they think that they're not getting value for money. You know, if they're going to shell out $60 on, on what game they want, they want, you know, X, X amount of hours guaranteed. Uh, but I personally would like, if it's if it's compelling and it's good and it's, uh, you know, it's it's worthy of my time, I'm happy to pay. I mean, frankly, we should, we should be paying more. I mean, these games have been stuck at $60 a pop for I don't know how many years. That's what I was gonna say I mean I paid 50 bucks a game for the ps2 games I was playing and half of those were like complete bullshit nonsense and uh I would happily pay 60 bucks like 10 more bucks for a game if it's good and yeah if it was a three-hour game and then it was over I would be upset but it was a three-hour game with split-screen multiplayer and like potentially online multiplayer that's fun and you can you know play that over and over again I would love that I I think maybe like a two hour game that ends and then has no replayability like maybe not but uh, that's just my thought um and there was like a pretty prominent um game that came out like around i think i think it was two years ago it's uh gone home that had that very that addressed that very same issue of um the time that you put into a game versus how much money you actually pay for it now i think gone home was about i want to say like maybe three hours tops, maybe, if you, like, really wanted to scrub through it. Um, but it told, like, a, like at least from my um, from my opinion, it told a really pretty compelling and sort of... Um, it, it was, like, a nice little story that basically takes you into a life of a family that was struggling. Um, that, like, the parents were struggling with each other, and um, uh, there was a daughter that was going through an identity crisis, and um, there's just, like, a bit of niche appeal to it, but it, it, it was doing something different, and I think that was in itself worth um, the extra money. Nicholas, am I wrong here? You are a Wii U uh, enthusiast. Uh, is Nintendo sure. still making these types of games? Because I feel like Nintendo is making the games that are, like, finishable and yeah. do have, like, you can play against your brother if he happens <laughs> to be in town, like, over Thanksgiving yeah, or whatever. Nintendo's, like, like its, own, its own sort of creature at this point. I mean, they just came out with uh, a Yoshi game, which which I bought, and it's like, it's it's such the antithesis of something like Call of Duty, which is aggressive and over the top, and you're shooting, you know, shooting men in the face. Here's Yoshi, you're, like, fluttering around and, like, eating, like, uh, I don't know, like, watermelons or whatever it is. Yeah, Nintendo, Nintendo sort of does its own thing. They, uh, their biggest sellers in the 
past couple of years was uh, Mario Kart 8, which came out. It was last year. Uh, they just came out, or they're coming out with uh, with another tennis game. So Nintendo's on this whole different planet. Uh, they, they still do have their sort of big big franchises there. Uh, they're making a Zelda game, which is supposed to come out at some point. Uh, they've sort of delayed it. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they I don't know, they're, Nintendo's weird, and, and they've got the Wii U, which is not really doing well all, at all. Uh, they've got the 3DS. Uh, they just launched a game, what was it, last week? It's called Yokai Watch for the 3DS. Uh, Yokai Watch is basically, uh, it's very similar to Pokemon. It launched in Japan uh, two years ago, and in Japan, it's a complete sensation. It's like already made like $2 billion over the course of its two-year life. Uh, and so now they're trying to position that as like uh, like a Pokemon for like like guys our age because we I assume we're all around the same age late twenties and we all played Pokemon growing up uh, and so this game Yokai Watch is like uh, if they can do that again when kids are you know with their with their iPhones and their mobile tablets and all that crazy nonsense will they will they still enjoy uh, yeah an old school Nintendo uh, kind of collect them all game right but you know when that Zelda comes out it's not going to be a ninety hour zelda game it's probably going to be your classic 20 to maybe 25 hour zelda game i would I, think oh uh, yeah and I, that and again i'd be happy with that like i have i don't need to play uh a, a game doesn't need to be 80 hours for me to for me to deem it like okay this is this is good uh i, I, I don't like rate game quality just on the amount of hours i put into it that seems kind of weird uh, but yeah, they, they don't they don't really do these sort of like you know epic games. Uh, I mean Mario, you could play uh, Mario 3D World came out uh, you know recently and you know, within the past few years. You can play a level and you're done. You don't have to sit there and beat the entire game in one setting. You can you can play a world and you're done. It, it it's not really as as uh, demanding of your time as maybe some of uh, other games out there. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Zelda because I think I don't know if they. Uh, name-checked Skyrim specifically, but the whole thing with this new Zelda is it's the first time that they're, they are trying to make an open-world Zelda, which is really big, and you can explore. Uh, oh. <laughs> right, so, I mean, you might, that's not, that might not be the one for you. <laughs> yeah. I can't like, just get a Super Nintendo and just play Donkey Kong. That's here. what I do, man. I have emulators, <laughs> and I have an old uh, NES, and I play Mario 3 over and over on it. I really want to get Super Mario Maker. Also, side note, I can't believe you say Mario with a long A. Oh, You're sorry. one of those. I'm from New York. But my <laughs> girlfriend hates that, too. Like, there are certain words. She's like, I hate your accent. I was like, I'm from here. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, if we, if you want to play Fallout 4, I'm sure you already have it, and you're probably not listening to this podcast. You're probably playing Fallout 4 because the people I know who are really into it, I have not heard from since Tuesday <laughs> uh, because they're underground in their Fallout shelters. Um, but if we are looking forward to another game, what are you guys looking forward to? Uh, well, Starcraft, the latest Starcraft expansion just came out the same day as Fallout. Uh, I haven't played that. I did buy it, but I haven't played it yet. Uh, so that's what I'm personally looking forward to playing at least in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next, as far as next year goes, uh, I don't, I don't even know offhand. I, I don't know. I, I'm sure the next Madden will be great. So. Well, actually, Fallout 4 just like brought me back into the loop, so I actually don't know any games that are coming up. Coming up, so um, we'll see. I don't, I don't have anything really. I'm, I'm backed up on on stuff I I need to play that already came out a long time ago. Can I ask a question though? Yeah. So we talked about how this is like one of the biggest, most expensive, like bleeding edge of of gaming right now. But as we've said, it's also like incredibly broken. Uh, like all Bethesda games, and I'm wondering what's the 
most broken, funniest, buggiest thing you saw in the game. Personally, I think early on in the game, the first thing you do, you save a group of people from this house. And then they're like, okay, let's follow you back into town. And the way Bethesda games work, the way the engine is built, uh, the way the engine is built is um, there's like, there's loading between going inside and outside, and only one character and a time could leave. So they're like, okay, let's go, gang. And then they all line up in front of the door, and one person walks up to the door, and he like pretends to touch the door, and then he disappears. And then the other person comes, and he pretends to touch the door, and he disappears. And it like it takes. 10 minutes you know what i mean <laughs> i'm just waiting for them to all like walk outside yeah uh the the only real uh the actually the only real like funny bug that i've seen is uh dog meet your your dog companion he was like uh, at one point he was like floating above a staircase just sort of like uh just staring into space just literally floating like 10 feet above the staircase that's the only sort of like uh actual glitch i've seen in the game so far uh so in the first town uh where you start in uh sanctuary hills uh, there's this one a drawer where I basically just stash all my guns. It's like a it's like a drawer that's just filled with like a hundred guns in it for no like I don't even know. Anyway, there was a there was one point when there was just this cow that just ended up inside this house. It just didn't <laughs> it it like there's no reason why it should be there, but it was just sitting like right on top of the drawer, just like crouching and just like staring at me. Um that was the only really big bug. Aside from, like, all the small physics bugs, I would have to say, like, the physics is actually a lot better in this game. Um, but every now and then, it would, like, screw up a little bit. Like, I don't know. Um, I would, like, shoot someone, and then they would just, like, go flying off much further than they need to be. But otherwise, not that much. I have not played the game, so I've not seen any <laughs> bugs. But my favorite bug I read about was, uh, I think someone at Kotaku said, I've played Fallout for, like, 20 hours, and I'm stuck in an elevator. <laughs> I think that was The Verge. Yeah, it was. My bad. Yes, it was The Verge. I didn't read it, but I love that headline, and I love that visual, and that sounds <laughs> very upsetting. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming by. Thank you for emerging from the vault to uh, talk with me rather than explore post-apocalyptic Boston a little bit more, um, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.